This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within. And I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello there and welcome in to another episode of Career Competitor. I'm excited to welcome in today Mark Silverman, a fellow coach of mine. And Mark and I, within our discussion, dive into a number of different areas between getting from where you are to where it is you want to get to within your careers. But some of the standout points that I want to address before we get started here. Firstly, the importance of having the awareness to know when you have an opportunity in front of you so that you don't waste it. Secondly, we assess the reward versus consequence mindset and how simply sitting with that can help fuel the actions that you take. And finally, we dive into how we can build a trust in ourselves by consistently honoring our word. So these are some of the things we're going to dive into. We're going to cover much more as well. But when you get two coaches together, you know the result and the product is going to be something worth tuning in for. So I'm excited to be sharing this one with you all today. And if you want to learn more about what it is Mark does, not only within his coaching, but also some of the the information and the books that he has available, head to markjsilverman.com and you can learn all about that right there. And anything and everything else you need to know about Mark is right there in the show notes. But for now, without any further delay, let's welcome in Mark to Career Competitor. And I hope you all enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just going to give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action, and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self. Go ahead, click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever-growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month, courtesy of me and courtesy of Career Competitor. Now, back to the episode. Okay, our career competitor today is a fellow executive coach who helps CEOs, senior leadership, and fast-rising high achievers leverage their resources and team for greater impact. Our guest is also a best-selling author thanks to his book, Only Tens 2.0, Confront Your To-Do List, Transform Your Life, which has sold over 75,000 copies and counting to date. In addition to this and other books, our guest has another book coming out titled The Rising Leader Handbook. And they are also a fellow podcaster as the host of The Rising Leader Podcast with a wealth of experience and insight to offer on managing productivity, planning, coaching, facilitating, collaborating, and much, much more. There is no doubt 
that we have a treat in store today. So without any further delay, I'm excited to be welcoming into Career Competitor, Mr. Mark Silverman. Mark, how are we doing, man? Thank you. Can I use that introduction on my podcast? Because I love your voice way more than mine. <laughs> it's all yours, man. It's all yours. Do what you will with it. I, uh, I'm slowly learning that I may have a career in just hyping people up. That, that might be my we, new my new calling. So <laughs> We pay for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, listen, man, we were chatting a little bit off air before we got started here. I love having coaches in this space, just being able to learn from your philosophies, build upon some of that insight with my own, and, and, and just be able to provide content here for people that can help them just continue to upskill, up-level wherever it is they are within their competitive journey and within their careers, respectively. So before we start diving into some of the good stuff, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark, so that we can all know exactly who we're speaking with here today. So funny, I was just talking to my son about the fact that I've been five different people in this lifetime. Uh, you know, most people take lifetimes to change. You know, I, I've been I've been several different people. So when someone asks, hey, tell me about yourself, like which part would you like the homeless part? Would you like the millionaire part? Would you like the coach part? Would you like the dad part? Uh, yeah. So so I'm an executive coach. I'm a father of two people and I am spent, dedicated my life to making sure that people don't sacrifice their well-being, their mental health, their relationships to success. So that's what I do all day, every day, is I just don't want people to fall into the trap that I fell into and how to climb out. And if I can keep them from doing that, I'm a happy guy. I hear it straight away. Don't waste the opportunities we've all got. So many opportunities in this life and so much of my insights over the years have always come from like, like you've got this potential, go get it. Like don't wait another day. And I'm already hearing that from you, which is, which is great. And you acknowledged it there with one of your five lives <laughs> that you referenced there is that of coming from one of being homeless and, and then being to where it is you are today. Talk to us about that time in your life, I suppose, where you were spending so much time with yourself. And, and having to sit with your thoughts, I would have to assume a whole bunch. Like, what was it you learned during that time that set you on this course to where you are today? You know, it's funny. I, I was actually talking to another addict about this who was struggling with enoughness. And I said, you know, you and I have had everything taken away from us. We've lost everything. We've been beaten to shit. There's nothing anybody can ever take away from us again. So given that, what do we got to lose, right? So since we've been at the bottom of the barrel, but you talked about potential, you know, and, and having that, I was told when I was a kid that I was going to be the first Jewish president, right? I was told that I was going to be, or I'm capable of all these things, something inside, tra whatever was trauma, past lives, whatever it was, decided I was going to be a drunk, an alcoholic, drug addict, sex addict. Like instead, <laughs> instead of becoming the first Jewish president, I was going to be a degenerate. That was unexpected. That wasn't the trajectory. So fast forward, having lost everything and basically destroyed any chances I had in life, to find myself in this position today is an anomaly, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's miraculous if you want to know. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of choices. It took a lot of learning. There's chance, there's people helping. There's just so much that goes into transformed life. Yeah, transformed. That's the word that we're going to have to stick with here for a little bit because, you know, we work in the world of transformation. The other word that you use there initiates transformation is that of choice, right? You know, being able to stop and say, hey, I have a decision to make right here. You know, transform, you don't really trip and stumble into transformation, right? You know, it's a deliberate, intentional act. 
I don't know about that. You want to? Okay, let's go. Let's push I don't back. know about that. Let's go. Push back. Push back. Uh, Come on. I have. I, I, <laughs> I think I've tripped and stumbled into transformation. In other words, I've fought, I've fallen into places that gave me the mm. opportunity to make a choice to change okay. my life. Right. Yes. I didn't yes. expect to go to AA and NA, Narcotics Anonymous, and all those things. I was, you know, I just came to borrow some money from my brother, right? and he said, you know, why don't you move in with me? You'll go to AA meetings and NA meetings. And I made the choice mm-hmm. to say, screw it. I, I got nothing going on. I'm going to do that. But I, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't planning on that. Right. So all mm-hmm. along the way, again, great. Never. I always wonder. I think life is one portion grace, luck, God, whatever. And one portion effort, choices, deliberation. I just don't know what percentages those are in the world. Like, I, I think it's 1% my choice, 99% grace. I don't know. But that keeps me humble. I didn't do this. I didn't create this life. I, I didn't climb out of the ashes and become this guy. Uh, but then again, I did. I totally yeah, did. I was I was ready to push back against you right. straight away. It's like there's so, a lot of evidence that says you did, right? And and but that's exactly what you're saying, right? That's what you're saying here is that it can be either or, it can be both. And it's being able to just say like, hey, to a certain extent, almost what I'm hearing is like, maybe don't get too wrapped up in trying to almost identify specifically which ones at play right here, which one's going on right now. Almost sort of just allow the journey to just do what it's doing for you and be as sort of with it and be as present with it as it's happening is that kind of what i'm hearing yes and risk right do like every step that i took for myself that was positive i was sure i couldn't do i was sure i wasn't worthy of i was sure i had all the evidence that i was incapable of this and i did it anyway Mm. right Every getting married, taking my first job in tech, right, leaving, waiting on tables, going to an AA meeting, right? All of those things were things I knew I couldn't do them, and mm-hmm. I did them anyway. And right. most of the time, I triumphed because I showed up, showed up on time, showed up on time, prepared, right? That was it. Right. I love this because we've started off with a word or two, and we've we've pushed back a little bit, we've dove a little deeper, and now we've come up with this real notice of risk and being able to say okay as much as it's choice as much as it's transformation there's this sort of caveat under the surface that's at play which is that of are you going to play the game of risk or are you going to avoid it right you know and 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 so much of so much of that story could have been so different had you chose to avoid those risks that you were very much aware of by the sounds of it and I have like it's a series of decisions, right? I've right. made choices where I've given into my fear and haven't mm-hmm. gone for it, right? I've I've taken made choices that took that I knew I wasn't capable of, and I failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Like I took mm-hmm. a couple of jobs and I failed miserably, and I, was, I thought I was all that as a sales guy, and then I screwed up. Like so, it, it's a, it's a series of those, and you know, yeah. so far it's been positive on the ledger because I've made enough of those decisions. Yeah, yeah, it's about as long as the positive ones outweigh the negative ones, right? Then we're they're always slightly winning. As long as we're always slightly winning in this game of life, then uh, we keep we keep waking up and doing it again the next day. Well, listen, I, I would love to dive a little bit into the the best selling book. You know, just this the fact that you've written a book and it, and it ties in very nicely to what we're talking about here. You know, this this notion of being able to say, how do you create a to-do list and how do you transform your life? And maybe you're already alluding to some of the stuff you cover in the book, 
but I would love for you to dive a little bit deeper now into, and I'm about 73,000 copies behind you based on the 75,000 with my own book. So I got some work to do here. Dude, um, dude 2,000 copies. So I didn't know this, that selling uh-huh. 2,000 copies of a book is a big freaking deal. Like yeah. I, I had no idea. I thought my book was a failure. And then I was reading one of the, one of the guys who was self, he's a self helps people self-publish and all this. And he says, and you know, I, I, my book was a big success. We sold a thousand copies. I was like, what, 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 what are you talking about? So 2000 copies is significant. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. What I love about the title of your book is specifically you're, you're setting a standard. It feels like, you know, only tens right there in the title. It's just saying like, if if you're coming into this with anything less, if you really are okay selling with nines, Put the put the book down. You know you got you got the wrong book. <laughs> so, uh, so so it, it's so, not as noble as that. Okay. Uh, it's, okay. It's well, much, talk, to us, it's, talk to us a little bit about it. It's Full of cowardice. So it it ha- <laughs> it, ha- it it comes from uh, Derek Sivers. Hell yes and hell no. Right? Got it. It's either a hell yes or it's a hell no. It's there's no such thing as hell maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from Steve Chandler's Time Warrior. Right. Uh, you know, busyness equals laziness. Right. You're you're busy because you didn't take the time to uh, figure out what's important. It comes from all of that research. I, when I became a coach, when I was a sales guy, I was successful because I had an asshole sales manager. Right. Hmm. And I really don't like looking bad. Right. So I want my name on the leaderboard. When I became a coach, it's just me, my desk and my dog. Right. So I didn't have an asshole sales manager anymore to tell me what to do. I'm severely ADD. Uh, had, you know, we tested my kids and they said, you know, who's off the charts. And I was pointing to my ex-wife and they were like, dad, I don't, we don't even know how you function. Right. And that was, that was a revelation in and of itself. It explained so much, um, of the addictions and all that stuff. But I was sitting in my office and I, I was like, I don't know how to get things done. I pared things down to, you know, like just a few things and I still can't get anything done. Um, and what I realized was that, I lie to everybody and I lie to myself about what I'm going to do, what I'm willing to do, what I want to do, what I have time to do. Uh, And that what I really do is what I want to do. And what I don't do is what I don't want to do. Only always. We only do what we want to do. We only do. And this whole victim owner mentality uh, that Steve Chandler talks about again, uh, I was a victim of circumstances. I thought I had to go to work. I had to make money to support my family. I had to do all these things on my to-do list. And the truth is, I don't have to do shit. I don't have to do Mm -hmm. anything. And what I realized was I want the reward of doing something or I want to avoid the consequence, right? So I don't want to pay my bills. I just don't want the late notices and the late charges, right? So I started Mm -hmm. figuring out that there's a reason behind everything on my to-do list. The other thing I figured out was that I couldn't look at things a, B, C, big rock, little rock, and then decide what was important. I have ADD. Everything's important. Everything screams at me at the same, you know, and by the way, if you call me and you need something, if Steve called me and say, Hey, Mark, can you help me with this? I'm like, fine. I'd rather do what you want me done than what I need right. to do any day. Of the right. Day. So I right. figured out that I was a people pleaser and I didn't have any boundaries. Right? Mm-hmm. So everybody loved Mark because Mark would show up, except Mark dropped the ball a lot of times because Mark would say things because he wanted to be say yes to things because he wanted to be liked mm-hmm. and then wouldn't have time to do all those things. So this was my Ph.D. in paying attention to myself. It was my uh, Ph.D. in getting things done with ADD. Right. So when I say a 10, a 10 is something that has to be done 
has to be done today and it has to be done by me, uh, has to be done by me. Or I have juice for it. Like I didn't want to get, I, I wanted to get that intuition. If you have juice to call a prospective client or send them a book or do something like that, you want, you want the space to be able to uh, realize that intuition. So what I did was instead of having a whole to-do list in my, in my face, I had a to-do list that was big, but I, it was out of sight. Like I, you can't see the to-do list. Anything that was on my to-do list for today had to fight like a junkyard dog to get on it. And if it was made it to my tens list, that means if I woke up at midnight and I didn't do what I said I was going to do, I had to get out of bed and go do it because I wanted to learn to keep my word to myself. I didn't mm. keep my word to myself. Right. And so I didn't have the trust in myself. So when I started paring down, next thing you know, when you start paring down your to-do list, there's a little problem. You need to say no to people. Mm-hmm. But if, you're, you know, if, you're, if your whole self-worth is on being all things to all people, saying no to people is like a death, right? Risk. We were talking yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, setting boundaries. Uh, telling someone you can't do something. I, you know, looking weak because you can't do all those things, right? All of a sudden, my to-do list was like tarot cards to the way I operate in the world. So I tell people, I can look at your to-do list and tell you all about your childhood. I can tell you how you move through the world, right? The things on your to-do list tell you, you know, how you're spending your time and your attention and what's important to you. And usually it's not the things on the list. It's what the things on the list get you. Uh, So if something's on your list, it shouldn't be on your list. You're probably trying to please someone, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So that was, that was what the book uh, happened. So I wrote the book for myself uh, and I, uh, we, 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 put it out there. And I thought my mother would get a copy and I'd get a copy. Uh, and it's all 1500 copies the first day. And Jeez. like, what the hell? And my ex-wife was like, you don't have that many friends. I'm like I know. <laughs> and then it's all 1500 copies the next day. And it was like, what is this? And people give it to CEOs and executives and stuff. And I was like, what are you giving my book for? They're like, it is a perfect system for people who can't do all the other, because I had a Franklin planner. I did getting things done. I spent Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars on this stuff. None of it worked because I didn't want to do the things I organized, color-coded, and put on my list. Exactly. So now I only do what I want to do, and I don't do what I don't want to do. Only always. Well, I'm taking that as a massive compliment that you're on my podcast. <laughs> so that's what I'm hearing right now. It's like, he wanted to be here. This is wonderful. I totally, um, I totally it, 100% <laughs> wanted to be here. Yeah. And the, gosh, so much, so much to unpack right there. First and foremost, I, I almost uh, resent myself for the fact that I'm not one of those 75,000 plus. I should have read this book by now because I absolutely need it. 100%. I'm hearing everything you're saying. No excuse. Saying, it's is, free on my website. This is me. Oh, there you go then. It's There's free now. No excuse. Goodness me. Uh, but the, the, the couple of things I really want to dive a little bit more into is the reward versus the consequence first, first and foremost, because there's an element of that. And I have to, I have to ask you first, like when you, when you speak about reward versus consequence, are you speaking only from the perspective of the individual sort of looking outwards or are they actually taking that inward ownership to that? Cause you talked there about the the people pleaser, right? Is this about reward versus consequence to those around you, or is it specifically an internal, internal it's sort both. of navigation system? It's both. Both. Right. Okay. So, so, so let's let's let's. We all know people. We all people. Uh, these abnormal people in their lives who get everything done every day. They're just productivity machines, and you're like, what the? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, then you dig a little deeper, and you know 
that they're achievers. They get their self-esteem by knocking things off their list. They go to bed feeling good because they hit every, you know, every item, right? And then did some more, right? So that's where, so their reward is being an achiever, right? Me, my, I'm, I'm, I'm a, um, I'm the happy helper, right? So my Mm -hmm. reward is people telling me how wonderful I am for having helped, right? So we all get our reward, our internal rewards, those that way. Uh, So, so again, it's a, it's a combination of, of things. Sometimes we just want dopamine, Mm -hmm. right? right? So we'll just, um, go on LinkedIn and answer comments and things like that. Or, you know, sometimes we want to do something easy to avoid something hard. So we do the email instead of, you know, the proposal that we're supposed to be doing for this workshop, right. That's going to bring us in thousands of dollars because it's just complicated. Right. Um, so for me, like, uh, for my, for my speaking gigs, I hate doing the expenses. Hate it. Oh my God. Do I hate doing the expenses? Uh, and, uh, when I was a sales guy, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't do my expenses, but for every six months and it was like 10, $20,000 worth of expenses that I would carry. My ex-wife would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's our savings account because I, I just couldn't sit down and get myself to do it. Um, and then I, and then I realized, oh, the admin in the office could do this in five minutes. I gave her 10% of my, cause I probably lost 10% of the, the receipts anyway, Right. 10% of whatever she, and my, my expenses were done immediately, but back to my expenses for speaks for speaking, uh, I'm flush with cash. I'm fine. I'm, I, I don't need the money from my expenses. I want it. Like I do need the money, but I don't need sure. the money. If I was right. starving, I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to put that, that expense report in so I can get that thousands dollars and I can pay a bill. Uh, yeah. so they would, it was going for a while. So then I t- taught my assistant how to do the expenses again light bulb went off oh my god i have a full-time assistant she could do the expenses so i taught her to do the expenses and then there'd be a glitch uh the company needs you to do this and this and this because this and my assistant can't do it mm-hmm. english isn't her first language uh she's not going to do it uh and that will sit for months again because i don't need the money it's not enough to get me off the stick to do it so now it's been a year and a couple of those are coming up. They will not pay me after a year. Guess what became a 10? Called my assistant. I said, organize everything. Point out what's missing what. By the end of the week, I will have it done. I work for you now. Right? Because right. it became a 10. It wasn't a 10 all this time, but now it's a 10 because there's no way I'm going to let all these people not pay me what they deserve, what, <laughs> what I should do. Right. Right. So back, back to my client going off on a tangent here, but my, no, no. so my, so I have, I work with a bunch of clients who are really, really successful mm-hmm. and they'll say to me, you know, Mark, you know, and they're, they're in their fifties. Right. And they'll say to me, you know, Mark, when I was 30, I would have handled this, 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 and this, and I would have done this and I would have, I would have eaten it for breakfast and all that. And to, I can't get, to, I, I'm supposed to write these new products and I just can't get to it. You know? And I'm like, well, yeah. Cause you're, you're, you're too rich and happy. Right. He's like, what? I'm like, you're fine. You don't have to do it. And you don't feel like you should do it because you're the goddamn right. CEO. Right. He's like, you're right. Like, so if, unless it, you, know, you were being driven when you were 30 because you were hungry, now you're not hungry anymore. So now can we delegate it? Does it need to be done at all? What, what do we want to do with it? Stop forcing yourself to do something mm-hmm. you don't want to do anyway. Yeah. So that, 
that's how it translates in the executive coaching. It's, it's so, yeah. I love that you took us to the coaching world because that was part of the, the next part I wanted to go into here. But just to touch on that briefly, you know, it is so important that as we evolve, we understand that it is so normal that the things that were once a 10, in, to use your language, are no longer going to be a 10, you know? Because if you're just, for instance, starting a business and getting a client for the first time is something that you jump around the room and you throw, you know, you're taking everyone out for dinner because you're just so excited, like, hey, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We actually did it. We got somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Turns out by the 15th, by the 30th, by the 100th client, it's not that exciting anymore. And and going after a client is much more routine than it was this lofty ambition, if you will. And there's so many there's so many similar milestones within a career and, and within a, working within an organization. Like in those CEO cases, of course, of course, you're not as hungry to do the things you once were 20 years ago. Like it's just so normal and it's okay to actually have that moment of just grace with yourself and saying, I wonder why I'm not motivated to do this. Oh, that's why, you know, it's, it's not a priority for me anymore. It hasn't been a priority for, for a long, long time, but this allows me to really go into now the honoring of your own word, which I think is so important. You know, here we are now talking on coaching. One thing that comes up for me in my world consistently is session upon session upon session, starting off with what a client assumes is a necessity is important and instead of admitting that they don't necessarily want to do it and we were just talking about this but that ability to actually take ownership and just honor what it is you truly want like what do you truly want to be doing right now do you want to be playing on the golf course this afternoon instead of being in the office working now that you're an established and successful business owner you do okay great then why do we continue to sort of kick the can down the road with this commitment and this goal and whatever it may be? Like, I'm just curious from your perspective, having been in this industry coaching longer than myself, what has been some of maybe the ways that you approach those conversations when you can just see that this client has had this, has some sort of awakening, like, hey, this actually isn't that important to me. And I need to start figuring out a way to become much more honest with myself. Hmm. Uh, so I had, I had a client who uh, was a serial entrepreneur and he had several, several businesses. And one of the businesses was not getting off the ground and he's CEO of this business. And it just, it just wasn't close. You know, like they weren't closing business on this. His other companies were doing great. This company was bleeding money and he was using money to feed that company. And he's, and he loved the idea uh, he loved the the what the, the product they developed. He loved the, the team, and he just was like, I don't know. It's just bleeding money, and I we have all these sales, and they just won't close. So I said, uh, so What happens if they close? What's the consequence? You know, what's the consequence? He says, Well, we'll, we'll make money, and we'll be able to go on if we close. No, no. What's the consequence? What's the what's what's the fear of uh, this company being successful? He's like, What are you talking about? I said, there's a reason why you don't want this company to be successful. It's like, what? So we did a little more digging. And finally, he blurted out to me. He goes, oh, my God, I just don't want to be CEO of another company. Hmm. I, 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 I just, I don't want to run companies anymore. That shifted, right? All of a sudden, he started closing sales. Because hmm. we made the decision that as soon as he made enough money, as soon as he closed enough business, the first thing he's going to do is hire a CEO. So he doesn't have to run the company. 
right? That competing commitments. Uh, I think it's uh, Robert Robert Keegan uh, talks about com- competing commitments, right? The, the 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 fear of something actually going right because then you have to do something you don't want to do that you think you should do and that everybody would want to do. Right. I, I think that man, you're hitting the nail on the head right there. Like that. Assume, assuming. You know, just just assumption. We we are so guilty of just assuming far too often when we can just go and get confirmation, and, and it starts with us. It's assuming what we want, and 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 if we overassume what we want, and we constantly make decisions around that, then to the point that you made earlier, trusting yourself is going to be really difficult to do. It's going to be really difficult to trust your instinct, to trust your intuition, when so much of what you're doing is actually based out of assumption based on what you're either assuming of yourself or others. It's, it's fascinating to me in, in your, in your experience, what does that do for an individual when they actually get around this idea of trusting themselves? Like what do you see shift within them when you start to really get clear on, Oh, I'm, I'm learning to trust myself for the first time. They don't know it. They, they, they don't know that that's mm-hmm. happening. I start to hear yeah. them say, you know, my gut said to do this or my gut, like, uh, and it's, it's so fascinating to watch them start to consider uh, another part of themselves. Uh, I learned something called M-braining at one point. Um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, the, the brain, you know, it, it, the premise of that is that we have brain cells or intelligence in our head, uh, in our heart, and in our gut. And since then, you're our nervous system. Uh, and the embraining is about checking in with your head. What do you think about something, right? Checking in with your heart. What do you want? What do you care about? Checking in with your gut, your safety and your identity. And all three of them have different, um, different uh, points of view. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't actually practice that with most of my clients. Every once in a while, I'll pull it out when they have a really hard decision. But it, they start to realize that there's other other intelligence inside them once i get them to clear out once once they're out of survival because almost everybody who starts with me is in survival for their status power money position or their childhood trauma which all of us are right and so so everybody's amped up when they come to me my favorite thing is when they start to sleep when they start, when they start to tell me that you know the medical conditions start to go away, when they mm-hmm. when they tell me, oh, you know, this went wrong, but I didn't care. I went on vacation anyway. Like, uh, so so all of a sudden now that opens up. So now they have uh, some semblance of uh, of a gut feeling of of other intelligence. Yeah, I, I, and that is such a key observation for anyone listening. Like, if on the flip side, if you are someone who consistently struggles with sleep, consistently struggles with energy, whatever it may be, some of those things that you just alluded to that you see that positive shift, it could be a good time for you to start getting a little bit more serious about the way in which you trust yourself, the way in which you trust your instinct and uh, and breaking it down with the head, the heart and the gut too. I'm a huge advocate of that stuff too. And I always try to get a, a handle when I find myself internally wrestling with someone like who's Who's doing the talking right now? Like, who is is the head talking? Is the heart talking? Is the gut talking? Who's doing all this shouting back there? And I think it's so important to just have those moments, as crazy as it may sound, that you've got all these people talking within you. But it, it's so true. And when you actually connect to that and go a little bit deeper with that, 
you can slowly start to learn as well who's doing the majority of the talking the majority of the time, you know, and, and, and that's probably where the first amount of, you know, the first element of work you probably need to start addressing is, is with that loudest voice uh, in, in, inside of you. So I love this, man. I absolutely do. And I don't want to, um, well, I could probably talk to you about this for two or three episodes. So we'll put a pin in that for now. Uh, and I want to, because what I want to do is just give you an opportunity just to talk about the new book coming out as well, uh, the Rising Leader Handbook. And so with that being said, tell us about it, man. What what, what do you have in store coming up here in the future? Oh, sure. So uh, the Rising Leader Program is out. It's a, uh, it's a 12-week course. My podcast, I rebranded everything to the Rising Leader because- I saw that, yeah. The, the, way I was show, the way I was showing up in the world was a lot more Oprah, a lot more touchy-feely, a lot more, um, I, just, I just want people to be okay. And I, can't, like, I, I, I just mm-hmm. care about people. What I realize is that's not how I make my money. Like mm-hmm. what I do for a living is I'm the one who's called when someone says, "Hey, Mark, so and so is a bull in the china closet, totally amazingly talented, but they're wreaking havoc on the leadership team. They've they've got to learn how to work with other leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Can you help? Yes, Mark. So and so is so great, but they don't. I want them to be the next CFO, but they don't speak up in meetings. They're always right, but they don't. They don't have a voice. Can you help? Yes. So what I what I realized is my practice is as a waiting list for people who are on the C-suite who have risen through the ranks really fast or grown their businesses so fast that their leadership skills haven't caught up to uh, the job at hand. Right. So they going from going from being a high achiever, just the balls to the wall, best at what you do to success through others, two different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Right. And letting go of the other skill set to embrace the other skill set is really, really hard. So with the rising leader, what I realize is I spend a lot of time teaching these people to become trusted advisors to the CEO. How do you become a trusted advisor? How do you get them to listen? How do you speak truth to power? How do you stop being a pain in the ass? Because some of them just speak up too much. Right. And don't don't even get heard. Then how do you how do you learn to lead? on a group of peers who are also ambitious and smart and talented and have their own ideas. How do you be a team player and shine at the same time? That co-opetition on the uh, I, other coaches kind of give me a little shit about the co-opetition thing. Uh, Cause they said, no, it should be one team. I'm like, not in the real world, in the real world, nope. we're ambitious, right? Yeah. Like uh, uh, it's uh, it's, it, we have to, we have to be real about this. But again, if you're the one who gets the promotion, do you want everybody to go, he was the suck up. He was the one who was brown noser. He's or totally, totally the person she should have gotten the, the promotion and, and I would follow her anywhere. Which person do you want to be? So that's leading across leading your team, ton of books on leading your team, being a, being a good leader uh, uh, and empathetic and holding people accountable, all that stuff. And then leading yourself, which is what mm-hmm. I really care about is how do you be, show up your best in every situation, but also how do you create a life? Like you go to this job or you have this business, but are you living a life that's worth living? And are you inhabiting that life and your relationships and your health and your well-being and your spirit? Right. So how do you how do you be? And I use just like I use the to do list to figure out how you're operating in the world. I'm using all these leadership skills to bring it back to how do you show up in the world best for you and that way you'll show up best for your organization so that's that's the rising leader handbook amen to that man amen to that and i mean that's the it's probably as common a topic i find myself talking about almost without uh 
considering opportunities to talk about it. Like people just approach you about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you start talking about executive coaching, you start talking about how things are going. And the, the, the common theme within so many of these conversations is just that people are at a, a loss of how to prioritize showing up for themselves. Because the idea is that if I do that, it means I have to let go of the reins in other areas of my life. And it's there's so much work that can be done to ensure that that doesn't need to be some sort of drastic, you know, fall off a cliff in, in, in terms of output, in terms of performance, that there's so many more manageable ways to go about doing that. And I love that you're, you know, you're stepping into that so assertively and, and speaking to this within the book obviously within the podcast with so many other things and uh man we're, we're we're coming to the end of our time here and so the one thing i have to ask you before i i give you the opportunity just to share more information about yourself uh you know we're all about competing on this podcast and, and anyone who's been listening these last 34 35 minutes should be able to see that in a lot of ways you're showing up and finding ways to show up as your best self working on that each and every day the competitive fire that comes with that talk to me a little bit about how do you assess your competitive self each and every day how do you put a little stroke in the win column at the end of the day and say hey man i did it today versus those days where you maybe feel as though for whatever reason you fell short what does the how does the competitor within you assess those wins and maybe losses within your days the competitor in me died for the last few years and i wasn't i I just stopped caring about that you know priorities change right i I stopped and then i turned 60 uh, and when I turned 60, uh, I did a lot of spiritual work. I, I made, I, I did uh, a lot of shedding of, of stuff from my 50s and before. Uh, and, you know, on my six, for my 60th birthday, this fire showed up. This fire, this fire that I did not expect. I got myself a tattoo of a lion on my arm. And like, I'm like, I am going to freaking roar into my 60s. All my life. I have held myself back. Uh, people have told me what I'm capable of. T- people have told me how I show up in the world and how they think of me. Uh, I'm going to actually show up as they as they see me. I'm going to see what I'm capable of. So now every single day for me is what do I need to do to create? Because you know, again, at 61, keeping that aliveness is is so hard the testosterone starts to fall like aches and pains life gets on so everything has to be after 40 i believe everything friendships health relationship has to be very very deliberate after Mm -hmm. 60 it has to be a mission uh Mm -hmm. and uh for me that's how i that's how i i gauge it so you know i aches and pains uh what's the inflammation in my body i just did a three-day juice cleanse because i I can't afford to show up on a podcast like this, not my best, right? Mm-hmm. So juice cleanses, exercise, my spiritual life. Uh, so every day I do what I can to show up with as much energy and life and verve that I, so I can, I can be a candle for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's felt, man. It's felt and it's seen and you look damn good for 61. I'll tell you that too. You know, I gotta, I gotta give you your props for that is that clearly all this work and this mission that you are on is uh it's it's overwhelmingly clear you know it's overwhelmingly clear that you are set 
intentionally on a certain course. And and I, I'm always here as an advocate for that, obviously, with the work that, that I do. And want to give you now that space to just tell everybody where we can learn more about all these many things that you've got going on within your world. All right, great. Everything's at markjsilverman.com, markvaleraj.silverman.com. You can get a free copy of Only Tens. Uh, the Rising Leader Handbook is coming out in October. But we have a 28-page summary with links and worksheets and stuff like that that's available for free on my workshop also on my website uh, so we can get you we can get you started on your journey for leadership love it i love it well listen man i always i always measure how into conversations i am based on the amount of sweat that i produce during the conversation and i am sweating buckets as we as we talk here and it's got nothing to do with the 100 plus degree weather outside down here in louisiana so man i I am just so appreciative of the time. I knew I was going to look forward to this and uh, it's absolutely delivered. So I just appreciate everything that you brought to the show and we will have to circle back and find a way to do this again at some point in the future. So I just uh, really appreciate your time and just continued good luck with everything down the road, brother. Thank you. This is, this, is, this is awesome and I love what you're doing in the world. It's great. All right, man. That was great. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Career Competitor. And before you leave, be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com or just head to the website careercompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.